The following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. The following is a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. The Force is strong with us, and we hope it is strong with you. Welcome to another edition of the New Jedi Archives with Zach Hagenbusher and Ben Schultz. Oh, Zach. Why, hello, Ben. What are these people doing in my house, Zach? That's very rude. You invited them here. No, no, I invited you. You just were like, and Joey's coming, and I'm like, oh, I like Joey. And you're like, oh, and Adam, too. And I'm like, oh, Christ, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Joey. Just oh. kidding, Adam. Hey there. And hello, Adam. I know. Hello, Zach. Now, we've had both of you on the show before, but for people who aren't familiar, uh, Joey and Adam are good friends of ours. They also love Star Wars, and they're here to talk about some Star Wars gaming. Have we had them on the show at the same time before? I think we have. Yeah. No. Yes and no. Yeah, yes and no, because I don't think you were... Or... No, I was there when we talked yeah. at Lincoln because we touched on this topic once before. Yeah, right? it was at Lincoln. It was this very same group you, of folks. Yeah, we shared a microphone. Yes. Joey and I shared because we're good friends. Yeah. Yes. Apparently better friends than either of you are with me. Because <laughs> neither of us wanted to share with you. Well, you are not a sharing type of person. That's true. I'm really not. Because look at you right now. You're wearing the headphones. Nobody else gets headphones. <laughs> right. Well, there's only one headphone jack. Well, how, well how he has a splitter. Don't let him know. lie <laughs> He has a splitter. He uses it otherwise. This time he was like, the hell with those guys. Well, I, I was supposed to split between four people. Well... <laughs> Each we put headphone, a splitter and then two pair more splitters. A headphone. Each pair of headphones has two ears, <laughs> so you just break them in half. Oh, perfect. Awesome. Man, I, you know what, Joey? We'll, we'll tackle that one next time. How's that? All right. All right. Just break lying. them right you in half. Like, lying, right? Just break them in half like the last Harry Potter movie. <laughs> oh, thank you for listening, and thank you for uh, listening to us wherever you're listening from. Uh, it is officially December. The winter apocalypse is upon us here in Wisconsin, but we hope that you're doing well wherever you might be. And we want to thank you for sharing this with your Star Wars-loving friends. You can download the show on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. So Ben and Adam, I want to start mainly with you guys here, because we're going to be talking about some board and card games from Star Wars. Now, when I'm, when I'm asking for your memories of these games, I'm not just talking about like five years ago. I want you to go back as far as you can remember. What's the first Star Wars game that you ever played? Oh, the first Star Ooh. Wars game. I guess mine would be Death Star Assault. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Was yep. that the game? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. There was a game that I played when I was very young. My grandparents had it, and it was like almost like, not quite like a pinball, but it was like kind a shooter a with like a metal ball. You were trying to shoot it's like, like a pinball. You're trying to shoot down the TIE Fighters, yeah. and you got to get them down in order, and then you got to shoot Darth Vader off the back end to beat the game, yeah. so to speak. 
I think yeah. I have played that game then. Yeah, I I still have a copy of it. You <laughs> so. still have? Of course you do. Of course you still have copy. Right. Of if it. someone does, it's Adam. Uh, so it would. I guess, how um, would you rate that game on a scale of fun? Uh, for fun, it it, it kind of depends, because now if you look at games that have come out today, you know, that one gets pushed towards the back shelf, but I always try to bring it out um, at different conventions and anything around May the 4th if, that I might be running, just so people can experience some of the older games and everything. I'll pull it out once in a while and play it. It's not bad for a single person. You don't need a group of people to play it or anything like that. It's anywhere from one to however many players you want to play with. And then they have a scoring system, all that fun stuff, so okay. you can keep track of your score. So that was part of that period of time where it wasn't like... They weren't thinking about it in terms of like Star Wars, quote unquote, hardcore games. Right. right? It, it was Milton like, Bradley, I think, yeah, made it. Fun so. board games for kids right. to play. Yeah. Uh, and that, that had the Star Wars name attached to right. them. Right. Yep. Right. Because you could sell anything that said Star Wars on it. Right. Well, case in point. You still can. <laughs> for, for the most part, you still can. Um, and then uh, I, I know, you know, things got a little more advanced as, as time went on. Oh, yes. The most advanced or the, the first thing that I think of when I think of Star Wars like board games and by extension miniatures games okay. would be like the Wizards of the Coast miniatures game. Okay. That's what I would. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that was the first entry besides the role playing games into what we would consider the quote unquote hard game hardcore board game scene and you of would the be Star wrong. Wars property. I am <laughs> wrong. I was gonna say I'm fairly certain that that is incorrect. Okay, so what what is um, I correct? would say um the decipher collectible card game or customizable card yeah. game, sorry. It was before that and that would be the precursor to pretty much everything board and card game that came out that was heavier. When did that drop? Um it had to be it had to be the early 90s. I was going to say, it had to it, be. It was shortly after I moved to Green Bay. Yeah, so. it was the early 90s when it dropped. I want to say like 93, 94, somewhere in there. That game was so much fun. Yes, it I'm, was. I'm sure I've related this story on this podcast multiple times, but we were playing that in a friend of mine's garage, um, a big tournament style, and we actually had the cops called on us because we were so loud playing that game. Wow. Like, the police showed up twice that night. You were disturbing the peace. Yes, we were getting rowdy. You could take down an AT-AT <laughs> with Chewbacca and a bowcaster. It was freaking amazing. Yeah. It, so, it, so it was like you were playing out these encounters in your mind while you were playing the game? Um, The game, what you did is you wound up laying out landscape right and ben would remember this a little bit more he probably played it a little bit more than i did but then you it was a lot like the card games that you you play today you lay out your landscapes you have your forces that you're marching toward you have cards that can augment those forces so for example you put an atat that has a certain attack value a certain defense value you can augment that by um, playing like your General Veers card with your AT-ATs. That gives it more value. And you would go against your opponents um, who were ostensibly playing the other team. And uh, it wasn't a, it was customizable because you could customize your deck. Um, but we all pretty much had the same cards to, to pull from. So it was very strategy based uh, in that regard. And it was just a, it was just a ton of fun. Yeah. I think that I've seen a lot of cards from this game because my, my cousins who live in Texas, when I was growing up, 
they were a, a couple of years older than me. And then I, I saw a box of these Star Wars cards, and they, they had them for a good couple of years. I don't know what they did with them, but I know that they were fans of the films, and they they had a lot of them. Like, uh, we... I tried to figure out how to play the game, but neither of them would ever teach me how to play it. So I never knew really how to play it myself, but it was cool to look at them. My favorite card, and this is the only reason I remember this number, but there was one card, and I don't remember what the card did, but the flavor text was, what are the chances of an Alderanian princess, an astromech, a Wookiee, and a protocol droid that speaks bocce being on a starship together? And it was 3,720 to 1. And it allowed you to do some incredible thing against the odds. What are the chances of an Alderanian princess, a Wookiee, a protocol <laughs> droid that speaks Bocce, and an astromech droid being on a mail-away card for toys? Uh, the answer is guaranteed. 100%. 100%. 100%. But, yeah, shortly after, I would say a good, what, six years after that, Wizards of the Coast got the license, and so they had to stop making the game. Okay. And so Wizards of the Coast came out. That's when they started coming out with the minis games, um, their own collectible card games for Star Wars. And that's when uh, Queen's Gambit came out. That was made by Avalon Hill, which is owned by Wizards of the Coast. So okay. that's, when the, that's when that series of games came out. Those series of games came out. Um, what What's that all about? Because I don't think I'm familiar with that. Um, Queen's Gambit? Yeah. I'm actually not too familiar with it myself. It's going for $400 right now on Amazon if you wish to own it. Wow. Um, <laughs> so it's either good or rare or both. It is both. Um, it's It's got a Board Game Geek average, I want to say, of 8.1. Um, but what it's supposed to do is portray the queen's gambit in episode one you're doing the gungan war the palace war and the space and the battle in space and you're supposed to win two of the three battles in order to win the game joey this sounds like your kind of game i love trade disputes i was gonna say is there a trade dispute card (laughs) and you love i I don't know i haven't played it (laughs) well why not when uh when did duels come four hundred dollars duels duels came out is that isn't that Star Wars? Is it called Epic Duels? Epic. It Duel? might be Epic. Yeah. Epic Duel. Oh, that would have been, that would have been shortly after Episode Two. Yeah, it would have been after Episode Two. It has um, Boba Fett and Jango Fett in it, and oh, it Count yeah. Dooku, and Count Dooku. Mm-hmm. So it had to be after Episode. The Secret two. Hero of the prequels. Yes. <laughs> Terrible. I thought that the trade disputes were the hero of the prequels. <laughs> I thought George Lucas was the hero of the prequels. Uh, that is never no, the answer. No. <laughs> I know. I was just I was just waiting to see what you would say. Oh. Uh, I, I remember Epic Duels quite a bit. Um, I remember back in the uh, the days when Joey and I were members of the uh, the DC Everest Gaming Club. Um, we I don't know if we had a copy as yeah, a club. You did. We did. Yeah, because somebody had your, it somewhere. It's still in the. Uh, gaming club it's still there yeah oh that game is a lot of fun a lot yeah. of fun for short bursts did you ever play I that think one zach's planning on going there and no. stealing you really it. never <laughs> yeah, did probably no no okay i'm just saying he could just steal the copy out of my house if he knew where that was <laughs> there we go don't give me ideas adam he keeps it in a locked vault don't give me ideas in the star wars room it's behind a red door <laughs> it's behind a bookshelf we won't get into that some uh 
nice force field doors that just open and close randomly. I was going to say some red fucking... <laughs> I can meditate behind them. I have a calm mind. <laughs> For sure. Me too. <laughs> I'm downright stoic. You're, you're, you wouldn't be Darth Maul at the gate? No, I'd be Obi-Wan just whacking at the thing with my lightsaber and mad at you for meditating that's not calm then ben that's the opposite of calm no no obi-wan's a good guy well from a certain point of view it's calm <laughs> i'm sure uh the minis game has yes. has have you do you have a lot of experience with that minis game i oh, imagine you do <laughs> uh yeah i've i've uh, made people cry with that game uh, what be- yes <laughs> because I, I put together some I had this ability um, to put together, everybody would be like, this is the ultimate army, and I'd just throw something together, just go against it real quick and beat it. Now, this so, this miniatures game, I guess the modern equivalent would be like X-Wing, right? Um, or not, not, not quite. It was a collectible maze game, so okay. you didn't have access to everything. You had to buy booster packs until you got what you needed oh, or sure. buy okay. singles from your friendly local game store or online to get them. Right, so. like like Magic the Gathering stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, man, here's a random booster box. You better hope you pull what you want. Yeah, pretty man. much. Awesome. Like, yeah. People complain about video game companies doing microtransactions. We'll get to that later, <laughs> but that's bullshit. The random booster box thing, I'm just, I, I get it that it's a, it's a business model that works for them. I, I have just always not liked it very much. But yeah. at least that's the way that industry is set up. Right. Right. From Video the game. Right. From the beginning. From the Pokemon. Well, magic. Like, this is a like, well, carryover over from. Yeah. It's always been cards. booster packs. Yep. Well, right. it was the same baseball way with cards. the Decipher game. It yeah. was a collectible. It, they just said it was customizable because what, every booster pack was different and you could customize your deck based on what you got in the booster pack. It's collectible. <laughs> you know, call it what it is. That's true. But and it, it had min. It, excuse me. It had miniatures of all kinds, right? It had like oh, yeah. characters and creatures and yep. starships yep. and everything. Yep. Um. They had a second. Um. They actually had a second maze game based around the starships. Okay. Um. The first one was based around characters, creatures, the more land based. It was more of a skirmish based on land. And then they came out with a fighter one like two years before they lost the license. I just thought of the best miniatures concept for Star Wars. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. We do a Clone Wars miniatures game. Okay? Yeah. But once in a while, you get a rare mini that's sculpted to look like the Jendi Tartakovsky uh, version of Clone Wars instead of the CG version. Yeah. And those are just way OP. (laughs) <laughs> like like the Tartakovsky Yoda can grab starships out of space and use them to knock people over. <laughs> and it would be a great tie-in. So I they actually did make a series of those minis that were based off that series. I, I think I have at least one. I think it's Anakin he with like his his tunic is like not on. Like he's got like the gold the full gold arm is like exposed and it's from the 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 scene in series two of that, mm-hmm. or season two of that show. So, how do you make a miniature sculpture of a trade dispute? <laughs> you don't. don't. But that's obviously got to be part of the game. Oh, no, no, you no. could. You could, because you'd have the huts on one side, 
and the Trade, Trade Federation, Federation on the, the other, the, and the goal is to get the Naboo to do business with you. Because that's what the trade dispute was. Good luck, because they're racist. <laughs> yes. Right, but all of their options yeah. are non-human. So that's true. I guess that they'd rather do business elsewhere. Got to negotiate before you lose all communications. Right. Because clearly, clearly, that signals an invasion, and not just that Sprint has shitty coverage. <laughs> next time i lose coverage on my phone i'll be like invasion I, I do that all the time actually i walk to another room and lose the signal i'm like it's an invasion <laughs> and then a swat team busts into your house and it actually will be an invasion like, damn it zach <laughs> uh Stop adam telling them what, what, I'm doing. what other um can, do you have any other memories of board games and such before we got to like the the fantasy flight era like when we're in that wizards of the oh. coast time um, in the Wizards of the Coast time, not really, because I never played any of the collectible card games from that. They, I buy the starter, read the rules, and go, yeah, this could just be set on the shelf now. Sure. Because it was not the best game that I've seen made ever, <laughs> you know. As um, as many of those card games wind up being, right? right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of them got shelved or got remade. I think Wizards of the Coast came out with four versions of the same game wow. eventually. That doesn't surprise me. Just I mean, to try wow. to yeah, I mean <laughs> because Who could have imagined. I Talk know. about your cash grabs. <laughs> but it was essentially the same game, different art, maybe a little different stat or here or there and was like, "Here, the, we improved it." Hey, while well, you were playtesting <laughs> the last I mean, bought the last game. <laughs> yeah. Here's another yeah. version. Yeah, here's another version. Oh, this isn't that great. Yeah, I buy the starters just to see how they worked. And if they weren't that great, they got set on a shelf somewhere, and they're in my place somewhere. <laughs> so so yeah. the minis game was kind of a... Um a the the highlight of the Wizards of the Coast run with oh, yeah. that with that series. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then from that point, they kind of went a little bit dormant with it, right? For yeah, a year they went or two. dormant for about two years before Fantasy Flight got the license. And that is when business it's picked up, up in yes. a real big way. So let's start with X Wing. I mentioned it before. Okay. Um, X Wing is a uh, it's a ship battle game. Right. It's a skirmish game um, with starfighters or larger freighters. Right. There, uh, they do have all of them. So yeah, it's not randomized. Nope. Right. You, you, can, you can you can purchase whichever ship you want to have in your army, and you can is create it point value. Yeah, it is a point value. Yeah. So we're gonna play with four hundred point armies. Uh, well, usually it's up to a hundred points because. I'll be like four ships. Okay, I, I just four mean, to five so, ships on your. But yeah, so it's I can feel whatever I want right. up to a hundred points. Right. Okay. Yep. And there are cards that, of course, enhance your ships because you're and depends on what pilot you have for the ships. That's going to be your point. Right. This guy's Poe Dameron. Right. So. Like if you have Wedge Antilles piloting an X-wing, he that's worth about uh, thirty to forty points. I forgot which. This this one is Rose's sister, so that bomber gravity applies. <laughs> yeah, know, yep, and that's yeah, and that's come where, on, yeah. <laughs> but and then it depends on if you equip your X wings with any additional weapons to roll more dice, less. It's you have a lot of options in that game. It's kind of nice. Get, I've played it a few times. I really enjoyed what I played. Mm-hmm. I I wish that I had the time and the resources to get more into it. That yeah. that's my only regret with it. I I I think it's really well balanced. Well, 
Um, the good thing about it now is that Fantasy Flight has um, restructured how they sell the minis. Um, now, if you they have a pack, basically they made it online compatible or an app or app compatible. Really? So now when you build your army, you have access to everything. For example, um, you couldn't get an Emperor Palpatine card unless you bought the $99 Tantive Four. So in order to get that one card, you had to buy a $90 mini. Right. Uh, but now with using the app, you have access to every card to build your army. You don't have to bu- you don't have to buy that ninety dollar mini to get the one or two cards you're looking for in that mini. Wow! So they have ev- they've switched everything so it's app compatible. You build your army, and as long as it's legal, it flies. I will make it legal. Yeah, <laughs> you know <laughs> this is where your tra- love of trade disputes comes in handy. <laughs> yeah. Joey's gonna have a uh, battle dispute. Right. With X-Wing. Battle dispute. Trade dispute over the cost of these X-Wings. $90. That's fair enough. Uh, And I believe every, almost every iconic ship that has ever existed in Star Wars is is now a part of this game. Yes. Right? I mean, you can get the Falcon. Yeah. Um, There is an Outrider. They don't call it the Outrider, do they? They do? on the card, if you buy it on the card, um, it is the Outrider if you use the pilot from the Outrider. Dash Rendar. Thank you. So Dash, Dash Rendar's Rendar. in the game. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So if you use Dash Rendar, it's called the Outrider. Can the I fly Ar- the Virago? Yes. Actually, you can. Oh, nice. Um, Kyle Katarn's ship, ship the, is, uh, the, yep. the Rusty Hawk? No, 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 no. The Rusty... Uh-huh. Uh, the Rusty Crow. Yeah, Rusty Crow. Yeah, the Rusty Crow is in the game. Um, uh, Ghost is actually in the game. I was going to say the Ghost is in the game, too. Is oh. that uh, expanded? Well, obviously, Outriders expanded universe. Yeah, it does have some expanded universe in it. Now, this is not a recognition that those characters are canon, I believe. Right. I think it's just they're having because fun with the they, license. They're, they have the license, they're going to use it, and they're going to make everybody happy by giving them some of the pirates well, and, and, and ships they want. It makes sense to me. Plus, talking to the people that are talking to people that I know who know people mm-hmm. who uh, deal with that kind of thing. A lot of the people working on that at Fantasy Flight have the same love for the game that the rest of the, for the universe that the rest of us do. Right. So they want to see the Outrider. Yeah, they, wa- they want to see some of these ships that are no longer canon. They want to see some of these characters that are no longer canon. They're like, here, we'll put them in. Why not? <laughs> we have know? the license. We have the license. We might as well use it. We'll make our fans happy. We'll make, you know. We can sell more minis. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> now, from X-Wing, I know that there's a larger scale war game, too, yeah, right? That is called Armada. Okay. And that is your capital-class ships, basically, going added in space um the executor the, the yeah the, the eclipse yep the different start do, do they have the eclipse um, in there i don't think they do that's palpatine's big boy from uh dark oh, empire yeah i was gonna say doesn't it have like a death star cannon on the front um yeah the, yeah the eclipse yeah i think yeah. it has a docking bay for the executor because yeah that fucker was huge <laughs> yep that's right it did but yeah, it's um so um in that one you have to keep track of your shields, your facings because if you if your left side is facing a ship, obviously those are the only guns that can fire. Not your um, fore aft guns can't all that fun. So it's more of a fa- it's still uh minis game, but it's more with facing. It's 
a little more um, crunchy oh. than X-Wing is. They don't happen to have a Star Trek license, too, do they? Um, X-Wing, X-Wing has a Star Trek license. Um, WizKids made that. I'm just wondering because I'd really like to take an armada of Star Destroyers and show Joey once and for all that the Federation would fall to the Empire. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that's not possible. <laughs> I mean, not Have possible you ever- because you're delusional? or I mean... Do you even know about Captain DeSoto on the hood? <laughs> the hood is the most chill starship in the entire fleet. Come on. What? Yeah, the hood. The most chill? Yeah. What does that even mean? It means like when the Enterprise it is out battling the boards. turbo lasers. The hood is off like cruising around going like, yeah, Rise is a good place to be. Okay. Interesting. Uh, this is not a Star Trek podcast, so let's 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 try to keep it away from We it. can pivot that okay. way. We can do it. No. No, we cannot. We and could. we will not. But we could. No. But we could. Why so not? Zach, what what else? What Adam, else, Adam? Uh, I know there's Legion, right? Yes. Legion is, is, a, is a ground combat game. Yes, it right? is a ground combat game um, where you do get some of the iconic characters. The starter is $99, but it is worth it. You get the rules book. You have enough minis to play a small skirmish between the Rebels and the Imperials. And um, basically, you could go from there. Right now, I have a nice little Imperial Imperial armor, Army brewing at home. Nice so, job. Yeah. Well done, young yep, man. Yep. <laughs> I didn't even look at the Rebels after I saw the starter. No, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. um, but it does look like uh, the Rebels do have some equivalents to the Imperial armies in that again they come with cards um to boost your armies and everything like that and and it is point based um it can be played you could play an imperial against imperial if that's what your opponent has or rebel imperial rebel rebel however oh yeah so we could play like saw guerrera's group of rebels against not Sagarera's <laughs> Well, when they come out with those minis, probably. Because Mon right now they have us. basically stuff from episode four in play. Oh, that's it. And that's it. Yeah. They have hmm. uh, they've done, I think, four different waves. Um the starter has Vader and Luke Skywalker and some rebel troopers, stormtroopers, speed. That's all you need though. I got Vader and Stormtroopers, I win. <laughs> Okay, it's a tough luck combo. shooting anything. <laughs> it, it, it's a tough combo to beat, but actually, if you want to go vehicle-wise, they came out with General Veers and the ATSTs, and of course, he boosts any ground vehicle, which includes uh, speeder bikes, so hey, that's always fun. That's and, awesome. Yeah, and just recently, they came... and when Unless Veers your opponent's out, fighting Ewoks, and then you're done. Right. Well... Because <laughs> teddy bears beat chicken walkers every day. Yeah. And let's hear what's the latest thing that came out. Um, Boba Fett and the Emperor have just recently come out. So has Han Solo and Princess Leia and a bunch of different other troops, of course. Okay. Like four of those named characters are. <laughs> if if you were to put all of these, all, all three of these games, because they're very different styles of game. Right. If you were to put all three of them over levels of which you enjoy more, okay. what would you say? Um, what I enjoy more, I enjoy, I would, Legion, I haven't gotten to play that much, but from what I've seen of it, I have a feeling I'm going to enjoy Legion a lot. Um, so right now it would be X-Wing, Legion, and then Armada. 
Okay. Um, I have a feeling once I get a few more games of Legion under my belt, it, Legion will overtake X-Wing. I got you. Okay. So in theory, we could set up two armadas, fight each other, break into small skirmishes, and then land on the planet. Yeah. And fight. Yes. Hey, yeah, if you got a big old... Uh, table big crazy enough crazy billionaire money <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you got the money and you got the time and you got the space yeah no problem <laughs> we got to get in touch with our local game store <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll have a big event ben can come by we'll do a massive battle with squadrons against squadrons and fleets against fleets and land armies against land armies and go <laughs> right <laughs> we'll make it a big thing there who knows go. maybe someday uh, from that point, I know that Fantasy Flight... Well, those are the big three, right? Right. And then they made the Living Card Game as right. well. They did make the Living Card Game, which I have not had much experience with. I, I haven't either. Um, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with that format, they've they've done this a couple of times with a couple different licenses. But it's like, you, you buy the starter set, and that's enough for, I think, four people to play, um, right? However many people the game it says it can accommodate. There are some that do two, three, some that do four, I think... Star Wars is either two or four. Yeah, it's either two or four. Uh, but regardless, you you buy that, you have your deck, and then you can buy expansions to the game. But like X Wing, they're not randomized. So you know you can go and look up. Hey, this booster pack has these cards in it, and I want this one specifically. You can buy that, add it to your collection, and use that to make your deck to play other people with. Yep. Um, I, I don't, again, I've never played it myself, so I don't know the mechanics of it. But if that idea sounds attractive to you, I, I guess I'd recommend you check it out for yourself. Yeah. Uh, am, am I missing anything? Um, if you want to go into board games, there's three big board games they came out with. And what would those oh, be? Oh, three other, three other three board games. Three actual okay. board games. Okay. Um, the first one they came out with is Imperial Assault. I have which, heard of that one. Um, which, if you've played Descent... Uh, first or second edition, you know how Imperial Assault works. Basically, it's four players um, working together as a team, trying to defeat the, um, I'll call him the Emperor, the person running the Imperial side. And there's a number of scenarios when you get to the end and you get to level up your characters. Um, so it's kind of like an RPG on a board. That sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> yep. Um, it is. Um but it probably takes a while, right? Yeah, it, it takes... It, um, average game is anywhere 45 minutes to an hour. Oh, that's not that's as long not, as but I thought. You're, but you're looking at about six or seven games to get through to the end. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's kind of like a legacy game where you get to keep your characters, keep oh, their levels, okay. experience points they acquire. So When you were saying Descent... Yeah. I, oh, no, it's not Descent I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Talisman. Okay. That game takes forever. Yeah, no. 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 no different no, no, different no, no, no. game. Different game. Okay. Um actually there were only two big board games. The other one is Rebellion. Okay. Um which can be a two or a four two, three, four player game basically. Um two players control the Imperials, two players control the rebels. The object for the Imperials are to find the rebel base, which is on a number of Ran, one of ran, one of twenty random planets that are on the board. Okay. Um, also, you know, while doing this, you're trying to gain victory points by building super star destroyers, Death Stars. You know, the stuff that Imperials do. 
the rebels are trying to stay alive, infiltrate Coruscant, which is their main goal, um, and you know get the plans to Death Star. That's the only that's the only thing that the rebels really have to do. You know, meanwhile, move your base when you need to and all that fun stuff. Um, you do get to build more starships. You get to build ground troops. Um, usually in a four-player game, one person's in charge of the Navy, one person's in charge of the Army. And basically, you're just trying to... If you're Imperials, you're trying to wipe out the Rebels. If you're Rebels, you're trying to find a way to stop the Imperials. Um, how much of this have you played? Um, I have played um, I've played Rebellion a couple of times. As both the Rebels and the Empire? Um, yes. I, I've been fun. Um... They're, okay, they both have their own sets of challenges. Um, I personally prefer the Empire because, well... Because if, they're the Empire? Yeah, <laughs> because they're the Empire. They get to build this the cool stuff like the Star Destroyers. The, um, and they bring peace and order to the galaxy. Oh, yes, always, yes. So You want to be on the side of the good guys, right? Right, because who'd want to defeat the people that are you know trying to bring peace to the galaxy? Right, that are feeding everybody. Right. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> I definitely agree. No, I do not agree. I'm shaking my head no. Uh, I I think that that's it then, right? Yeah, for board that games? Be, that should be it for board games. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next section of... Uh, oh, I guess, I, Joey, you didn't speak up much during all that. Have, do you have any experience with any of that at all? No. Okay. <laughs> uh our well, next we need to time. raid Adam's house so that you get some experience. I think so. I think we need to have a game night I one of these I'll nights. I think I'll pass on a seven-hour board game. No. No, no, oh, no, no. No, it's not seven hours. It's, you don't have, You can break it up into yeah, different Yeah, you would days. sit down, you'd play that one, one game. scenario, and then the next time you guys get together to play, you'd, you'd play, play the, the second, second one. Scenario. It like continues that way. It's a seven-hour board game. It's Don't a seven-hour board game. You've just <laughs> broken it into seven different sessions. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So it's a one-hour board game seven different times. Right. Which makes it a seven-hour board game. I'm with you there. That's like The Lord of the Rings is three separate movies that are only three hours long. And you're like, no, if I'm going to watch Lord of the Rings, I'm watching the extended ones. I'm watching all It's effectively like, let's play Monopoly, but each time around the board is just one week. And then we're going to come back next week to do another (laughs) round around the board. Come on. Come on, man. (laughs) That'd be terrible. All right, let's move on to one of my favorite elements of Star Wars, and that would be the role-playing games, the paper and pencil RPGs. The original, the granddaddy of them all, is something that Ben and Adam have a lot of experience with, and that would be the West End Games D6 system, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, go go at it. Okay. Tell us about it. Um. So, Ben... What did you think about the D6 system? What can you tell me about it? Well, it's been a long time since I played anything D6. Right. Um, I remember working really hard to not uh, be a Force user because everybody always wanted to be, if not a Jedi, Force-sensitive. Uh, but it really lent itself to cinematic gameplay because for being the hero, you earned force points, which then you could spend to either do amazing things or get yourself out of an impossible situation. And if you spent them heroically, there was a chance you could earn them back so it didn't really cost anything. And so that was kind of fun, and it it really lent itself to that. It wasn't, I don't want to say it wasn't number crunchy, but it it was a very, uh, it lent itself well to the role-playing part of the game. 
you had this is the damage you take. These are the dice you roll to make things happen. Here's what it is. Now go have a Star Wars adventure. And there were stuff that you could, you know, I want to upgrade my starship. I want to get different. You could do that if you wanted. Um, but I've always been a more, I enjoy the role-playing part of the game, not the numbers part of the game so much. Yeah. Uh, and I really loved it for that. And then there was some of the ridiculous things you could do, like... Um, one of the things that sticks out most to me when I bought the Dark Empire source book, because you could take, if you were a force user and you were using your lightsaber, you could add your, I want to say it was your sense dice, no, your control dice to your to hit roll and your alter dice to your damage roll for your lightsaber. Wow. Yeah. And then you could add force points in there and then you could add dark side points in there if you were a dark side user. So according to the stats released in Dark Empire, even with damage scaling, because it's scaled, you know, person, vehicle, starship, right. capital ship, yep. um, Emperor Palpatine, if he dumped his force points into his lightsaber and used his Jedi power to enhance it, he could do more damage than the Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> Which just blew my mind until we watched Freemaker Adventures and I realized a Kyber Saber was a thing. Um, <laughs> but there was a lot of neat things you could do with your character, and they broke it down into nice ways. And, and the way the character sheet was laid out, it was really cool. You had yep. your technical attribute and then all your technical skills underneath. And, right. Um, yeah, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. And you could do, you could play anybody you wanted, any kind of person you wanted to be. Right. Yeah. You could play. Um, some kid that you picked up off the street if you wanted to make him heroic. And I remember that that was one of the classes was kid. Right. And, <laughs> and really? you could, yeah, that was wow. one of the classes kid. Okay. You could be Ezra Bridger, like literally. Yeah. And you could play these alien races that only appeared on screen for three seconds. Right. Because, and nobody knew what they were until they were, until this book, these books came out and, oh, that's what that is. And, you know, that's what. That's again here, right? You know, it's like, who and they were new. The the universe that they created and expounded upon was so rich. We mentioned this before we started recording that for a lot of books, I know the Thrawn trilogy in particular, the authors were given boxes of the role playing material, saying, "Here's your source material for your book. You know, here's how to keep it in with the story." Um, yeah. But all all the various force powers, for example, which is the always going to be the most unbalancing part of any Star Wars game, right? Space magic. It was just broken down into three categories: it sense, sense alter, alter and control. control. Am I changing something? Am I controlling something? Or am I sensing something? Done. Yep. And that's how I put all my force powers together. And then they gave you examples of the right. force powers we've seen on screen. Or read about in stories, right? But you could make your own. Yeah, you could actually create your own force powers. You know, and so that was really it. Really allowed for creativity. Yep. Anyway, that's my take on it. I love the D six game. I uh, um I liked it too. It was actually one of the first systems I ran was uh, Star Wars D6 because I was the local Star Wars nerd, uh, <laughs> if you can imagine that. No. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and I would be able to go out on these stories that I only thought of in my head 
you know, so I'm coming more from a DM's perspective. I didn't play it all that much. I ran it all the time. And I was able to make anything happen. I couldn't make anything reality in the system. Um, you know, some of the systems that came after weren't as loose, <laughs> let's say. <laughs> well, and you did have to have some measure of... You had to have a game master who could control a D6 game because it could right. get out of hand. Oh, yeah. If you had a game master that, and I was usually the player that tried it, so it was fine for me. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but if you had a game master who was like, just, okay, I guess, you know, the rules don't say that a dog can't play basketball, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the, if the rules didn't expressly forbid it, you could get away with a lot. lot. Right. But your DM, your DM GM had to always right, rein that in rein and it say in no. And go, this is no, not that can't happen. That is no. not the way it works. And right. a lot of times they did that by referencing the films. Right. They would say no. We we see in episode five, this is how that would get resolved. You can't just do no. If no. if that would work, then they would have done it. It didn't work. They they played the Zach card all the time. <laughs> no, you have to assume the people in the movie understand the universe they're in. No, I no. don't, because there's people here who don't understand the universe we're in. <laughs> but anyway. I still maintain that that's a valid point. Anyway. <laughs> okay. I'm sure you do. But yeah. yeah. Um, did you play a lot of the games after that? Um, I did play quite a bit of the D20 system that Wizards of the Coast came out with. I um, owned it. I didn't play that one because... Yeah, it was it, it was, D20, a, so. it was a D&D with a Star Wars skin. Right, that's what that's why I didn't play it cuz I'm like I play plenty of D&D, I'm sure it's just I won't I wound up playing and running a lot of it because at yeah. the time that's what a lot of people had access to. I was the only person with the D6 book still. It was like not like I was going to pull out my core book and go don't spill anything on this, please. <laughs> you <know? laughs> if you ruin this, you owe me fifty dollars. Oh, yeah, that was that one t- of the <laughs> that was one of the first things. My scanner when I bought my first flatbed scanner, that yeah. was one of the first things that happened. D six books. <laughs> yeah. I'll bring a laptop. I can replace that if you spill right. something on right. it. Right. Yeah. Be- before we move on to the Wizards of the Coast stuff, I just want to say the D six game. It, it's pretty monumental because, like you said. Um, it was really the first opportunity that fans had to kind of create their own Star Wars stories and keep the flame alive because it came out in that. Um, I disagree with that statement completely. Okay. Okay. The very first opportunity the, the fans had to keep, to create their own stories and keep the flame alive was shortly after Christmas of 1977. Oh, okay, with the toys, sure. Fine. I'm just saying, legitimately. For old, let's say for older fans, for fans that had outgrown the toys. Of At what, what age has that occurred? Yeah, I, I know, I, right? I, of of I, what I, would I, be socially. <laughs> fine. At the age that would be socially acceptable to play with toys, they had outgrown it. At, at that age, what you do, Zach, is you have children so that you can say, oh, I'm just playing with the kids. I'm just playing with the kids, man. Well, for the rest of us, the right. role-playing game is good enough, uh, and it, uh, it it allows you to be a part of that world, and it came out after Return of the Jedi, right, before the special editions, but yep. before anybody even dreamed, I'm sure, of the special editions even happening. Or right? the prequels. Or, or, the, prequels. or the prequels, or anything that came yep. after, so I, I think the Star Wars of today has a lot, it owes a lot to this game. Right. 
You gonna say something, Joey? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you looked, you looked, he sat up straight. He moved the mic in front of him. <laughs> made eye contact and, and, with and all of us. And we all looked. <laughs> no. Oh. Uh, the Wizards of the Coast stuff. Um, the D20 game, like you yep. said, I, I have a lot of experience with this game as well. Right. It's interesting because before I knew that that game existed, I'm not going to lie, I actually did. I created my own homebrew version of it. We, okay. Yeah, we, we had a... Because um, we played D&D 3.5. Uh, okay. And a couple of my friends had the D&D 3.5 books. But I was like, well, I love Star Wars, man. And I know that they like Star Wars, too. And I would like to run one of these, but I don't know if I could run like a, you know, like a D and D. But I, I feel much more comfortable in this world of Star Wars. So let me kind of make up some stats here to figure out how this would all work. So I, I, I did. I, I had like a a full rule, not rule book, but like a binder. It was like a binder of material that I had made up for this game to adapt it to Star Wars. And then I found out that they had made a an actual <laughs> game for it well, like like 6 months later and I'm like, "Oh my god, all of that work that I made." I'm sure and I, I don't know job. where that file, I don't know where that file is anymore. No, I'm sure it's terrible. Well, I'm sure well, that I adapted just, it very poorly. Took, I mean, let's face it, Star Wars is literally D&D in space. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All you had to really do is make force powers and maybe... No, that's magic spells. Lightning, D&D's already mapped out. Well, yeah, but I mean... Shocking grasp is force lightning. I think that's how we ran it, right? It it wasn't... It was different in the... um, in the the actual yeah, the, game and yeah, in the Wizards of the Coast game, it was like you put ranks into force powers, like you would put ranks into skills right. in D and D three five. And then you got that many dice towards your D twenty. Add that many. Add your ranks and yeah. And like magic in D and D three five, it was broken as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. Oh, you yeah. could. Oh come on! You could prestige a character at second level if you did it right. Right. You know. Yeah. When, when you say magic is broken, you mean they ruined all the good spells by gimping them? No, I mean that they they allowed those good spells to be too good, and oh, there's no, no challenge. They gimped all the spells in three five. Yes, okay, but that's a podcast fight for another day. <laughs> there, it, it, it's not on this podcast either, because right. that's not what this podcast is about. But all right, we're we'll starting a new podcast. <laughs> we'll throw it in with the, all the shit Zach won't let us talk about on his podcast. <laughs> With Ben and <laughs> Ben Adam and Joey, with, with Ben Adam and Joey, the shit Zach won't let uh, us talk. So about. let's talk more about trade disputes. <laughs> that was me being. It's going to be our Joey. first season. It's a good impression. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> uh, the new uh, so but, so when that, when that when that game came out, I thought I I mean I had a lot of fun with it, but I think that hindsight being twenty twenty, it didn't give you the cinematic experiences you were hoping yeah. for, unless you had a really good DM who knew what they were doing, right? Storytelling wise, it didn't give you what you were expecting. The game itself like, wasn't conducive to no, cinematic action. No, you had you, no. It was like I said, D and D. You run up, you hit something, you shoot at something. You it, you know, it's like you have a chance to miss if you don't hit their AC. Oh wait, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just was not conducive to storytelling. They only came out with one book that was an actual story for that. Anyway, it was Tempest Feud. It was actually a really good story, but clunked down with the three five rules. 
So from there, uh, they actually created another edition of the of the game for the Wizards of the Coast property, right? Or or with with the Wizards of the Coast. Um, what, what the fuck am I trying while to say? While they had the development they had the group, license, while yeah. they had the license, they made another version of the game, which I think that you could look at as D and D fourth edition, like light D and D fourth edition before fourth edition was actually right. a thing. It, 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 they had said that this was actually their beta test for fourth edition after fourth edition came out. And it was the Saga Edition, and it's annoying as fuck because the books are not normal book size. They're like square. Yeah, they're like, like nine, by n- square. nine by nine, yeah. something like that. It's just annoying when you're trying to pack them up. <laughs> right, and when you're trying to put them on Any, a shelf. Anything yeah. they put the word Saga in for D&D role-playing, anything that comes from Wizards of the Coast with the word Saga on it, just don't buy. <laughs> Why? I learned that when they came out with the Dragonlance Saga game. Oh, okay. Do you remember that, Adam? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Show Never. up to show up to play D anD D with no dice. The fuck is wrong with you? People? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't Slap sound you right. In the fucking head. It doesn't sound. Sorry. Right. Flashback. Different, di- different podcast. Yes. Right. But, but anyway, just a good rule of thumb: if Wizards put something out and the word Saga's in the title. Wait till several friends buy it and tell you they enjoy it before you invest your money. They had an excuse to make this edition of the game because the the original version was in between episodes two and three. So right. they did not have the episode three content in that game. If they stopped at episode two. And then for when episode three came out and they had new ships to use and new characters to use, General Grievous then and they all released the like. a supplement because that's what the model is for role playing games. No, they didn't. They came out with a whole new game. That's bullshit. Well, you know. <laughs> and uh, this system was actually a little bit better than the D20. Well, it was a D20 system still, but it was better than the previous one. I you think I agree with better? that. Um, D6. Buying the money from <laughs> buying the D six copyright from West End, <laughs> but but then they would have been using somebody else's work, and you know they wouldn't be able to put their own uh, twist on it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> again, but, that's for our other podcast, <laughs> right? I mean, they they're they're very famous for doing that sort of thing. Um, I I also have some experience with Saga Edition. I thought that. Uh, I actually probably do enjoy that system more than I do um, the the revised D twenty. That's what they right. would call it. But yep. but that doesn't seem to be a very popular opinion. I think no. that the the opinion of Saga is kind of weighed down. I think by the opinion of Fourth Edition overall. Yeah, it is. Fourth Edition D and D, and not only that, but losing the license about a year and a half after it came out. They made that, a lot of books for it. They, yeah, but they, did they lose the license, or uh, did they just fail to renew it? I or? think they failed to renew it. I, I actually, I think they lost it. I think Luke, Lucas Films said, no, "When the license is up, no more," because Saga Edition. With it. Saga Edition wasn't that well. The card games that came out with were not that good. The Maze game was the probably top tier thing they came out with, and that wasn't even the best Maze game out there at the time. So you know, it's like the product was not what. Uh, Lucasfilm was thinking it would be at the time. Hmm. A major game developer getting the exclusive license to make Star Wars games with the intention of them being really awesome, but then they're turning out not to meet expectations? I wonder where we're seeing this. (laughs) I think we're going to talk about it in a few minutes. (laughs) 
was that code for I should stop eating pizza? And no, start no, 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 no. I'll warn you before we get. Yeah, to we'll that we'll point. warn him before that point. But that is certainly uh, history repeating itself. You'll know that comes because I start leaning back, <laughs> and I'll and I'll move my microphone away too because I'm not a huge video. Game. Yeah, I think that that is. Uh, I think that's history repeating itself. Right, but uh, I I. Uh, I always liked Saga Edition. I never really had an issue with it. But I, I, then again, I was a teenager at the time. Right. So I saw it in a different perspective than you did. Right. Whereas you saw it, you were you were around the industry constantly. You were an aspiring game, game store owner actually, at that point, with, right? I was a game store owner when Saga Edition came out. Really? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that you guys had like started because your we enterprise were, by that point. Well, no, we had the store open because we had Saga Edition books in the store. Well, I know like, yeah. we did. No, we we started the store pretty much like a couple of months after the core book came out. Are for Saga Edition. Really? I believe so. I huh. don't, I don't so, think so. So, Adam, what we're learning here is your employees didn't know your inventory oh, very well. <laughs> no, no. That's not what happened. I, you don't have to put an S at the end of that. My employee. Employee. That was me. But no, I, I that wasn't. I know we had Saga books, but I am. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure they only sure made that them they, for they what, two came years? out years before that. No, they didn't. No. The Saga edition was only around for one or two years. Interesting. Okay. I, yeah. could, I, I could be wrong. I'm not going to look it up right now because it's not important enough. Right. Um, but As Zach pulls out his phone. <laughs> no, it's, my phone's over there. I'm not. I'm not going to be petty about it. I'm not going to do that this time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I enjoyed the Saga edition, but it was uh, not well received. So we move on. Fantasy Flight picks up the license immediately. Adam and I look at each other and go, <laughs> "New Star Wars role playing game." <laughs> yes. And, and games. Good Star Wars stuff, yes. finally. <laughs> and that is what we received in the form of uh, Edge of the, the Empire. Uh, Edge in- of the Empires, where they started. Right. Um, it was based uh, primarily around the Outer Rim style yep. of you're either a bounty hunter or a smuggler or, yeah. you know, a, a neighborhood tough. <laughs> what, right. Whatever you want to call yourself. Um, and you were trying to uh, edge around the empire you were working you were working in the outer rim yeah you're not a member of the rebel alliance per se (laughs) only if you want ben ben (laughs) only only in your mind only in your mind. no kink shaming zach (laughs) i'm I'm not trying i'm not trying uh they you could uh you 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 could be i think and you could adapt the system and we're gonna just and we're gonna just say right now the system was made to be take place prior to episode four. That's true. Yeah. So you're looking at not a lot of force users. You're looking at more regular um, beings. If you you're know, running the system as quote right. unquote intended, right? Right. But, but you can set it anywhere you want to. Right. Because there are rules in every book for how to use force and everything like that. So. And the the force users that were in that book were um, they were not full fledged Jedi. They were like uh, Jedi force in hiding adapt, or yeah. force adapter, force yeah. sensitive. Yes, yeah. that that equivalent of yeah. um, those Little rules. Boys who didn't want to pick up their broom. Yeah. Yes. Yep. From there, it was Age of Rebellion, uh, where they went into the full, fully fleshed out rebellion rules, um, how the structure of the rebellion works, um, different classes specifically made for fighting in a war. Right. Uh, and then from there was what we had all basically been waiting for, which yeah. was Force, Force and Destiny. 
uh, which was the the Jedi book, essentially giving you all of the um, the the more detailed force power trees uh, and the the tools to make your Jedi classes. Right, and we should also mention uh, before we get too far that you need specialized dice to play you the do. game. Mm-hmm. Um, they do give you a conversion in the books how to use normal dice like your d six, eights, twelves to do it. Um, they just say this number has these symbols on them, and but it's a lot easier if you get the specialized dice. Yeah, I agree. My my but it's group nice and I that they are, give you the conversion. Yeah, they do give you the conversion. My group and I are actually running the game right now. Okay. Um, or at least a version of it. Right, we mixed a whole bunch of things together. All of the books are compatible with right. each other. Um, depending on the class that you're playing, there are just slightly different twists on different class features right. that you kind of have to use that book specific rules for that class if you want it to work together. Um, but they they nothing contrasts with each other too much and they, they all are kind of a nice little ecosystem. Yeah, so you can, you can play um, different characters from the three different books together in one mission. It pretty much does not affect all that much if you do that yeah um yeah like zach said they're cross compatible does it uh are they cross compatible as well as the white wolf world of darkness system was um i want to say i want to say yes because you could play anything okay any, i'm you, just you, trying to get it a would compatibility be, it would just scale. be it would just depend on what skill tree you took because it's a point build system so um you pretty much figure out your race your um your major stats and you get points by your skill trees and you decide oh i want to be this character i want to be this character type from this book but i want to be like uh a soldier from age of rebellion oh if we go to the age of rebellion book there's that skill tree you buy the points off that skill tree to okay. start building your character so probably you even can, more so then. Right, yeah, because you can literally take anything you want and flip it around in the books if you wish. Okay, sorry, I just Oh, no problem. Clarify. No, no, that's good, good um, information. And it is it lends itself a lot to storytelling. The dice, like I said, don't have numbers. They have triumphs, failures, um, and basically you roll the dice against how hard the how, your your skill level versus how hard it is. You there's a way to succeed and still something bad can happen, or you can not succeed and something good can you can fail and something good can still happen. Like that just described my entire life, right? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Failing successfully. Yep. (laughs) Um, Classic example of that is in um, Return of the Jedi. Han hacks the bunker doors, but he closes the blast doors. You know, that can happen. You think, oh, oh, I got it, I got it. Nope. <laughs> Somebody else get over here. <laughs> I got to grope Leia for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it lends itself to more cinematic um So it's a lot of role play with an E instead of role play with two L's? Yes. The two, the two L's actually lend themselves very much to the E. I agree. Uh, really good stuff. If you're if you're if you've been looking for a new role playing game, or if you've been looking for something to kind of compare to that D six system, I mean, I guess it might be sacrilege for me to say that, but oh no, I, I ranked these before. I ranked this actually above D six. Okay, there we go. So I, I give it a give it a shot. It's worth your well, time. 
And Fantasy Flight, I mean, let's face it, as far as the big name companies go that are still running, Fantasy Flight puts out good stuff. Yeah, it, it's not exactly cheap, but it you get the but quality you pay for. They've got a reputation for putting out good things. Right. You've got... You're getting the quality you pay for. Right. Wizards is kind of... Their reputation has been lackluster they, they, lately. They make magic. Yes, yes. <laughs> they make magic and fucked over d and I mean... <laughs> Although 5th edition isn't too bad. It's still a D20 system, but it's not too bad. But another podcast, another yeah, day. Yeah, we, we can't <laughs> I, I like get into fifth that. Edition. I do. I like it. I'm sorry. Got to say that. But anyhow, now, <laughs> Joey, are you ready? Hey, Joey, take the pizza out of your mouth. It's time for your segment. <laughs> I just finished my last piece. I'm good. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the final part of our conversation, and that would be maybe the thing that's been around for the longest, and that would be the Star Wars video games. Um yeah. The video games kind of started all the way back in, I think, 80? Yeah, 1980, 1981. Well, How is that it, longer than the No, be, before that, before that with the arcade. It, it really lent itself well to video games because right. literally the targeting system in an X-Wing was at the graphics quality of a video game at the time. Right, so they made a video game, an arcade cabinet. The Star Wars arcade game was flying down the Death Star Trench run, and that was like the opening into that world it 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 all timed out really well because you had star wars in 77 and then like the birth of video games around that time last starfighter yep last starfighter same kind of thing definitely (laughs) i mean i would say actually that's you you make the joke but it's kind of that same deal um you know it, it was a chance for people to be a part of the world in a way that you really couldn't do i mean i love role-playing games don't get me wrong but i also love video games and if they they fill different holes right they fill different uh different voids <laughs> ben's laughing so many jokes i know i, I know right now. they fill different voids they they fill um your love for them doesn't have to be mutually exclusive because they <laughs> they tap into different things that you want to do there that makes more sense <laughs> I appreciate because that. because you were starting to talk about orifices. That's <laughs> not what I was. Saying. I'm trying to save you. All right, back, back to your regularly scheduled um, Zach. Joey, what is the uh, the earliest Star Wars video game memory that you have? Oh, definitely pod racing on the N64 episode one racer at my dentist's office. I, I, I actually own <laughs> I own I own Pod Racer. I actually bought the first joystick that I bought for uh, my computer was so that I could play the Pod Racing game. Yep, they did make a version of it on PC as well. Yeah, like I had that. That was my first one. But actually, no, maybe not. Maybe I had that DroidWorks game before that. No, yeah, I had the DroidWorks game before because that was from 1998, and it's um, you build your droid on the PC. Or Mac. It was Mac or PC. And some cross platform shit going on. I know. It was wild at the time. Ahead of the time. And you build your droid and then you have to go on a mission. And the job was to send you on this mission. And you're supposed to defeat these evil assassin droids and recover data crystals that have like these really crappy clips from the movie (laughs) in them. It's like full motion video, man. Yeah, it's really bad and it's really 
really low resolution. You get to the end and you're like, uh, I did all this for that. Well, yeah, but you're talking about computer consoles that were. No, it was like from the video. It was. It wasn't a generate. Well, video. but I, I mean the graphics that you were dealing with on a computer console back then. Yeah, it was part of the movie. It wasn't a computer generated like. Well, but I mean, even if you're rendering the movie yeah. in eight bit, you know, it's still. Oh no, this wasn't. I, I mean, this it was, was. I know it wasn't eight bit, but yeah. I just mean if your if your game is rendering in, you know, you had to have at least sixty four megs of RAM. Oh my god. I I know. It's it's really funny now when we talk about stuff like that because I remember getting my Commodore 64 when I was a kid and you know, it had it, its big selling point was it had more memory than they took to get on the moon and now my phone has exponentially more memory than that did. Yeah. So this um this is the kind of game where it was designed to take the maximum amount of resources your computer had. So you can't play it on a modern computer anymore. Even yeah, you have to limit your computer to play it. But it was like, you'd walk around, you pick up this gear, you'd put it in this thing. And it was more like an educational game than anything else. It was like, here's how you use inclines. And the first thing is like running around and pushing these buttons. And it like sends out this ramp really slow. And you're like, come on, let's just get to the end here. And then I can finish this. And I can get my prize, and I can build cool robots. So the Star Wars version of Oregon Trail? Yeah. Except you didn't die of dysentery. Exactly. You just had, like, battery depletion. <laughs> <laughs> then somebody could come and put your battery back in, right? Oh, man, but it was scary. No, like, I, I was eight when I was playing this game, and this, like, assassin droid would come out, and he'd shock you, and he had this scary voice. And there was like a solid month where I was like, Mm-mm, no more Star Wars stuff, anything for me. Wow. It was scary. And Star Trek isn't? Nope. There we go. That that explains it all. Nope. Joey fell more in love with Star Trek because well, he was scared. I wasn't watching he was a little coward at the time, though. You were <laughs> a little coward. Because this was about the time that the, um, the Dominion War was going on on Star Trek. So. It's a good thing you weren't. Yeah. You would have been scarred for life. Then you would you wouldn't you wouldn't be here. Wouldn't be talking with us. You probably would have just been turned off to sci-fi forever. Yep. So what was the next one you played? Um The next one I really remember playing a lot was Battlefront 2 for the PSP. All right, before we get there, cuz I've, I've got way No, ahead. no, that's fine, but I I've got some memories in between that time. Yeah. My earliest Star Wars video game was Star Wars Rogue Squadron on the Nintendo 64. Is that the X-Wing one? Mhm. Yep. Okay. So you well not just exclusively X-Wings, but you you flew as a member of Rogue Squadron, which was led by Luke Skywalker. Um, a lot of missions you play as Luke, um, but there are a few that you play as Wedge Antilles and other characters as well. What about Big's Dark Later? He uh, dies. Did so. you get to be Porkins? No, he also well, he dies. dies. <laughs> Neither of them are ever a part of Rogue Squadron because they die before the die before Rogue, Rogue Squadron is formed. Did you get to play? Uh, as I disagree. Oh yeah, no, Cassian right. Andor. <laughs> no, because he also dies. <laughs> they all die. Did Joey. you get to play as a fish guy? No, <laughs> you're Luke Skywalker for the most part. Even when you fly the Millennium Falcon. 
they they're um like luke will talk like he'll like make little yeah. comments while you're flying around and he'll make something like oh i'm glad that they let me borrow this is <laughs> like, he so when luke is flying the millennium falcon is he also wearing han's clothes you can't uh, they're tell lando's clothes that's they're true they're lando's clothes, clothes. and uh I doubt that Lando would wear anything like that. No, no. He well, obviously he does at the end of Empire. But we well, yeah. We learned the wardrobe on the Falcon belonged to Lando. We learned that in. Then why isn't Han wearing capes all the time? Because uh, he doesn't like him. It's like not his capes. style. Lando took all the capes, or something. I don't know. Anyway, let's get back to some video games. When, uh, when no, was, you you don't see them. You don't see him in the cockpit. You don't see him in the cockpit. But the, the Nintendo sixty four was kind of a hotbed for Star Wars games because you had Shadows of the Empire, was which was ask, the first one they put on. Why the GameCube felt time? so disappointing? Yeah, there was nothing Star Wars for the GameCube. There was. There, they did Rogue Squadron two and three on GameCube, and they did. Um, I feel like that's a lie. Jedi Knight two, Jedi Outcast was on GameCube as well, um, but it wasn't. Uh, I, I, well, Battlefront wasn't on GameCube. That's all I care about. Bounty Hunter was on GameCube, but that was also on PS2. So no, ba- Battlefront was not on GameCube, and I wish that it had been. Um, but the, the N64 was a hotbed. It had Shadows of the Empire, had Episode One Racer, and it had um, a Super little Mario 64. It did. <laughs> We're talking about Star Wars. It did have a little gem of a game called Star Wars Episode One Battle for Naboo. And it was a um a, an arcade fighting game like uh like Rogue Squadron is, but you played as a member of the Naboo security forces. And uh Misa thinking that's not as much fun as Yusa talking. Oh oh no, there's no Gungans involved <laughs> for the most part. There's no Gungans involved. You don't play as any Gungans. Um you you, you got the chance you don't to shoot Gungans. You don't. No. Of course you do. You remember the Naboo security. <laughs> it's it's a prequel to episode one, so they're hunting right. them down and you're driving them. them underwater. No, it, it's uh, it it actually goes from the um the invasion of Theed all the way like kind of through. So you know while the Queen and the Jedi and them are, are kind of doing their thing, you follow the adventures of this group of security officers who got off the planet as well, and they kind of collect up resources and come back to be a part of that final battle. Um, and it, it, it's really, really cool because it also takes that perspective of in Rogue Squadron, you fly around your ship, you know, like from the air, you're flying an X-Wing, you're flying an A-Wing. In Battle for Naboo, they actually let you control ground vehicles as well. So you'll fly like the Flash Speeder that you see in Episode 1. Are they really ground vehicles if they hover? Well, you know what I mean. They have the ground-based vehicles. So you're, you're in the Flash Speeder. Ground effect vehicles is what you're looking for. You get to use a STAP, which is like that battle droid. Um, yeah. You know, running around, shooting things. That's really cool. Um, Yeah, I I had a lot of fun with that game. I I have really good memories of that. I think that that's a game that if you've never played it and you're a fan of those style of uh, arcade um, flying simulators, that's a really good one to play. Look forward to it coming out on the N64 Classic, probably. I wish. I wish, but probably not. Um, But the GameCube, and I would say that generation of... of, I mean, they had a a lot of great games on that one as well. I think Battlefront 2 was probably the highlight for a lot of people. But you had it on PlayStation Portable. You had it on the PSP. I did not have it on the Xbox or the PlayStation 2 Okay, like most people did. Or the PC, because it did come out on PC as well. I opted for a PlayStation Portable, which... um, like when when this thing came out, it was marketed like, "Oh, all of the games for your PS2 are available on this, but 
they're portable. I was like, awesome, I can take this with me and game wherever I am. And then you get the thing and you're like, oh, well, an obvious limitation of a disc-based portable system is that the disc has to be two inches in diameter, which is half of what a regular disc is. So clearly half the information's on there, so you're missing half the levels. So it is like... That seems fine. <laughs> is that because you don't like the prequels? That also probably is correct. But it's like... Because I think Battlefront 1 was like original trilogy stuff, and Battlefront 2 was more... No, ba- Battlefront Battlefront 1 was uh, the same thing as the, the D20 games that Wizards put out. They put out Battlefront 1 before Episode 3 was released. And then they put out Battlefront 2 afterwards. So Battlefront 2 had all the complete two eras of Star Wars. It had the prequel okay. era with all three films and the original era with all three films. Okay, because Battlefront 2 for the PSP was pretty much like Mustafar and Mustafar <laughs> and maybe a space battle and then Mustafar again. Really? And then... <laughs> There yeah. were no, there were no original Children of Planets. You couldn't play on Hoth. I don't remember. I think Hoth might have been there, but I don't think Hoth is very fun, so I never played it. Okay. Like Mustafar was probably the most interesting map. Is that because you're from Wisconsin and you live in Hoth? <laughs> <laughs> More or fair. less, yeah. That's fair. Like when I lived in Green Bay, every time that it snowed, I'd be like, "All right, time to go outside and reenact the first twenty minutes of Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back." And you take a friend and you cut him open out there. And you're like, <laughs> oh, I thought hey, they smelled bad whoa, on the outside. Whoa. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Court case is still open, Joey. It's still pending. Court case. This is the <laughs> plastic save, save, save that for our Netflix special, Making a Murderer Season 3. <laughs> <laughs> whoa. Oh, I was just trying to keep warm. Thought he was a tauntaun. Anyway. Um, I, th- I think that the um, the idea of a disc-based portable system might not have been great. Uh, but at the time, a gigabyte of flash memory was $80. So Right. I, I, had, uh, I had Battlefront 2 on PS2. Um, as I understand it, the Xbox version was like the one to have. Yeah. Because you could play with four people on screen at once. And my cousin had that, that one, and... Going over to his house for Thanksgiving, Christmas. Oh boy, that was a fun time. They also did a um, they did a downloadable content set for that game, Ugh. which actually uh, included um, two additional heroes because you could play as you know when you are playing as regular trooper enough. If you kill enough people and get enough combat points, essentially, they'll give you the option to play as the hero associated with your faction for that map. Sometimes it'll be Obi-Wan, right? Sometimes it'll be Luke. Sometimes it'll be um, Darth Vader. Um, For the Xbox version alone, you could download content to play as either Kit Fisto uh, or Asajj Ventress. Um, And that was inspired by the Clone Wars Jendi Tartakovsky show. Um, nice. So that that was pretty cool. And then there was a downloadable content map as well. Um, they gave you Jabba's Palace. Did you have to pay for that? You how did much? have to pay for it through Xbox Live. I, I don't know how much it was, but they they gave you the option, which was pretty cool. They didn't give us that on PlayStation 2. We only had a... You could only play with two people on the map at the same time, or on the same TV. 
And that was even if you had the multi-tap, which was the thing you could plug in to like make the PlayStation 2 have more than two controllers. Yeah. Um, they still only let you play with two so people. what you're telling me is that Microsoft really pioneered the worst part of video games. I wouldn't <laughs> say it's the worst part of video games. No, Paying they, for extra stuff after the game supposedly yeah, came out. They, they, yeah, they that gave is pretty you, much the worst. No, the, no, 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 absolutely not. They gave you extra stuff. You you understood no, it when you no. bought it. Yeah. You, you're paying $60 for a game that's not finished. Yeah, like, right. It is. It is finished. finished. It is finished. It. I, I played Star Wars Battlefront 2 on PlayStation 2. I never had those extra characters. I still had a tremendous amount of fun. I still love the game. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so if it, it sucks, I I wish I did have the option to buy those extra characters because I would have used them. Though that would have been fun, but I didn't. We'll and it's fine. We'll let. <laughs> I'm with Joey on this one. We're gonna. Yeah, let I know that's because you guys don't understand games. That you that's are their prime. No, 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 it's because we understand how games are supposed to work. How many how many DLC levels are there for Mario again? Uh, none. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, that's hey, not true. Hey. Mario does have DLC. But yeah, I'm but just, you didn't have to pay for it. You know the the other you thing. You do that, uh, the other thing that's called called amiibos. Look it up. Um, when you're patching the game, the week you release the game, it wasn't done when you released it. Well, sure, that's a different story altogether. But what I'm I'm, I'm talking they about the core idea. No, they don't. The core idea for a, an expansion game. If you buy a starter game for a miniatures game. Then you have a certain amount of the miniatures. If you want more, right, you buy them. The miniatures games. Didn't we from just the talk about how you guys did not like booster packs <laughs> and how you open the booster pack and you're like, oh, it's a crash no, shoot, but what you're going to no, get? No, that's different. It's it's different because you're buying extra stuff. You're buying extra stuff. I don't have a problem with buying extra stuff as long as I know what I'm buying. That is my problem. That's I would, why he doesn't like booster packs or anything like that, right. because See, it's a crapshoot. But if you're paying get. almost $100 for a game... You should get the whole game. You should get the whole game. I disagree. Your, your options are either give me the core game for free and then let me pay a monthly subscription fee or buy DLC or pay for character stuff or give me the whole damn game. No, or there's they give you a whole game and then they let you add on to it. Or... They pull the bullshit they do, and Ben stops playing video games because that's not how it's supposed to work, and I'm not being a party to it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's capitalism, like, Ben. Battle you Front- of all people should okay. appreciate that. So the new Battlefront one, this is the entire problem that people had with it. Well, all right. Let's right, start because right, start from a little farther back. Video games by buying into this bullshit. Let's start a little farther back. Okay. <laughs> you know I'm right. That's why I don't do me. <laughs> Let Let's start a little farther back. Um. The, LucasArts continued to make Star Wars games all the way through the 2000s, um, kind of capping off with The Force Awakens. I, I, or not Force Awakens, The Force Unleashed. I think that that series of games was their last big project um, that they tried to kind of, you know, put a lot of money into, get people to buy the game. You know, it was, it was, it was cool. They had announced a Star Wars game called Star Wars 1313. Um, which was supposed to be a third-person shooter where you were exploring a level of Coruscant as an unnamed character. And I think it's been all but confirmed that you were supposed to play as Boba Fett in that game. Um, For the trailer at E3 that they showed, the one that they had ever made, um, they they showed you like an avatar that the 
person was using for the trailer, but they made it clear that that was not the finished version of the game, that that was just there for the demo. So they were ready to release it on a disc then? No, they weren't ready. They weren't ready yet. That was just a was just right, the, the demo. Right, the finished Avatar is DLC. <laughs> no. That's not what I meant. What I meant is for that tech demo, for the display, they yeah. wanted to have something ready to show people, but they weren't finished with the game. Well, it was only a few months later that LucasArts announced or that Lucasfilm announced that they had, you know, George had sold the company to Disney. And at that time, Lucasfilm made the dis- or uh, Disney made the decision that they did not want to make games in-house anymore. So up to this point, every Star Wars game had been made by the Lucasfilm video game division. So Lucas we knew Arts. who to blame. Right, so we knew who to blame. And Disney made the call. They said, we do not want to make our own games. So we'd rather license this out to anybody who wants to try it out. And EA, Electronic Arts, who they, they have a... a they're hit and miss. They're hit and miss as far as games go. They have some really good ones. They have some really bad ones. But they ponied up the money. I think it was about 250 mil for the exclusive rights to make Star Wars games for the next few years. They would have been so much better going with Square Enix or Ubisoft. Well, they, if, they, if those like companies offered us... Backyard. If those companies <laughs> offered as much money as EA did, then I'm sure that they would have. But they didn't. Well, they would have put out a better quality product then, and people right. wouldn't have been... And I, I think that they're learning that now, Ben. I guess that that's, that's the cautionary tale that we're telling. So the, the first game that they announced, which was the next year, was, in fact, Star Wars Battlefront. It was a bringing back the franchise that had not had a game since 2005. And we... I, I mean, I saw the trailer, and I was like, that's incredible. I can't wait. Like, this is going to be great new game on the new consoles it came out in 2014 i believe 2014 no 2015 excuse me um it launched in 2015 and uh i would say that it wasn't really a complete game i don't know how much of that did you play i played about oh 20 minutes of it because the rest of the time i sat there waiting for stuff to download oh because every single time that i wanted to play it would say all right Gotta download this map. I was like, so what's even on the disc? Well, nothing. That's how games work, though, now. Like, that's not how that works that's, anymore. It's not how it should work. And Why that's your fault, Zach. Yeah. It's your fault. It's not directly my fault, but okay. It's people I, like you. I blame no, you. No, it's that games are games are bigger than that now. You you know. I mean, it, oh, come on. This microphone's falling off. This is just great. Uh, it's got to be you because everybody else's is holding on. Yeah, I know. This this ga- games are just it's different now. You can't fit a whole game, a whole AAA game that has all of the elements that a game has. You can't fit it onto one Blu-ray anymore. That okay. Rockstar, Rockstar, it, to use a non-Star Wars okay, so example, I Rockstar used a two-disc. They actually put all of Red Dead Redemption 2 on two physical discs that they shipped out. That's the only time that they've done this okay. for any game I understand. in this current generation. But they install for, I don't know about the PlayStation, but I assume that it does it for the PlayStation 2. The Xbox One now installs the game onto the hard drive. So PlayStation does that as well. Why Correct. not download all of it to the hard drive right away instead of like, oh, well, you might want to play the Naboo map, so we're not going to download it now. We're going to download it when you want it. If No, no. If the developer finishes the content after the game is launched, then they'll ship it, essentially, by letting you download it for free. 
So they released a game that wasn't done. They released a game that wasn't done. That's what you're telling. I me. mean, I I am I am admitting. I told you that I don't believe that Star Wars Battlefront, the original effort, was very complete. I don't think it was good. I think that uh, visually, I liked it. Yeah, sure. Visually, but- I liked it. I, I think it looked like Star Wars. I think it sounded like Star Wars. But unfortunately, it lacked. It was just a fight simulator, is what it was. It didn't have any story element. It didn't have any of the Star it was Wars all flavor. Online play and just about all so online. Yeah, I bought Battlefront One for ten dollars. Somebody gave me a gift card to Target, and I was like, "I'll buy this." And it took forever to install. It took forever to download something, and then all I got out of it was twenty minutes of play, and then. I had to download more stuff again. Yeah. I mean, that's and a modern like, game, though. I mean, I, you can't criticize the game or Star Wars for that because that's a modern video game. Like, that's just how stuff works now. No, I bought uh, I bought Pokemon Let's Go for my Switch last week or whatever week that came out, and I didn't have to download anything. Okay. I'm just I saying. I bought Super Mario, Super Mario Odyssey for my Switch and didn't have to download anything. Okay. I bought Crash Bandicoot for my Switch and didn't have to download anything. Those are all very different styles of games, though. This is an online game that you're supposed to be able to play online with other people. Those okay. games are not so online So you're telling games. me if I bought Splatoon, I would need to download a whole bunch of stuff? Yeah, probably. They come, they come out with updates all the time, Joey. That's how online games work. Seems broken. It's not broken. It's they're they're constantly working on the game. I would rather have them constantly working on the game and fixing things that need to be fixed than not. No. But that's just my mentality. That we're getting anyway, away from the point. I bought Battlefront 2 as a pre-order whenever it came out. And we're now like a year in. It's still wrapped. I haven't even unwrapped it I, I, was like, I feel like you did make the right choice at first i i also bought it right when it came out they know i'm upset that it's ten dollars this week for well that's Black what Friday happens stuff. that's what happens a year after a game comes out and especially if it doesn't do very well so star wars battlefront 2 i'm sure if you know anything about video games at all about modern video games you've probably heard all about what we're going to talk about here but they had a a lot of trouble with this game because EA looked at it, I, I feel like they looked at it more as a source of income than cash they did grab. as an actual game. Yeah, cash like grab. as a cash grab. They they the, tied the progression system into paying them money, essentially. It was like, you could grind your way and play many hours of the game and unlock all these different things, but why would you when you what, can just give us $20 and you can have it? You had, to pay, you had to play like 4,000 hours to get Darth Vader as I'm like well at the at the game's launch yeah it was insane hour work a 40 hour a week job is 2000 hours a year so you would have had to play <laughs> four, you'd have to play for 2 years 40 hours a week to unlock Darth Vader right and that that's insane so they after this backlash they they did scale back on a lot of things it was it was actually really interesting how they did it the backlash was very quick it was very loud very vociferous and it involved like national governments eventually saying, this is illegal eventually because what what they would do is they the, the, the loot the loot, loot boxes, boxes were gambling 
Right. The loot boxes, the loot box system that Star Wars Battlefront 2 specifically employed. They didn't just give you cosmetic upgrades to your character. They were giving you cards that made your character better. So it was very much pay to win online. And that is a serious issue. Um, and it wasn't even you would pay $5 to get this level card. It was you would pay whatever this loot box costs and it had whatever random thing in it. Right. Um, but that's not all. They were not able to really execute this system as they originally planned it because the backlash for it was so hard during the beta process and the review process that by the time the game got a retail release, EA shut down the transaction server. They were like, nope, nope, nope. We're not, to, we're, we're not even going to let you buy crystals. We're not even going to let you buy any of this stuff. We're going to shut it down. We're going to work on it. We're going to make it better. Of course, that left the game in this weird state of limbo where you had the, a game that was designed to work around a certain element that had been removed. So, so now the game was just like really, really grindy. Like can, you, I, basically, can I ask you a question? Yeah. So they shut down the transaction system before the release day? It was like on the release day. I bought it on release day. I had it that night. I was not able to purchase any crystals. There then was never a point. Why didn't they not release it? Because it was already because it was already done. They, like it was the day of release. Yeah, it was the day of release that they decided what not do you do to allow when you people have to buy that 40 stuff. Forty million copies of this disc printed. You just throw already the same shipped landfill. You threw ET in. Yeah. No. What happens when you? Well, that's what happens when you make a shitty product. Right, but unfortunately, Ben, they did not decide to do that. It was like they said, do you want to buy some death sticks? And then <laughs> all of their consumers said, you want to go home and rethink your life? And they did. They, and then they went home and rethought the entire game. They, re they went home and rethought their life, but unfortunately, whatever was left of their life was still there for people to see. Now, from a gameplay perspective... You know, they could have left the transaction system in there and just made everything cost zero. They could have. If it was that big of an element to the game. They could have, but Ben, they this is called corporate greed. They wanted to rework the transaction system so that they could still get money from people for certain things. The loot boxes actually had little promissory notes inside of them that said right. you will get loot at some point. They wanted to milk <laughs> they wanted to milk the consumer because mobile gaming and microtransactions have led game companies to believe that, that they can do that. Now, to be fair, Ben, to be completely fair, to be completely, completely fair, fair I, I don't think that you're right. EA is you just don't follow, think that I'm right. Well, no, no, I, I, I'm Mark, I'm putting different phrases right. together. Just shut up. OK, <laughs> EA is only following an industry trend, but we have seen and the most prolific example of this would be and this is another podcast entirely would be Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto V has Crush. made more money than any fictional thing has ever made. Like, that one game by itself has brought in billions of dollars okay. because of its online, its online component. You have an element where people can earn money and purchase things with just the in-game currency, or you can give Rockstar 50 bucks and they'll give you a million in-game in dollars to buy whatever you want. This simple system has created an economy for themselves where they are making 
but millions of dollars every day. But that's on this not one the game. system that other games are using. If you no, were it's say, not because there's a difference between this is a completely in-game currency, and I can spend real dollars to get extra in-game currency is different than I'm required to spend real dollars to get the things I need in order to play the game. I agree, and that is where EA failed here, because they created a progression system around something that they thought people wanted, and instead people were like, holy shit, this is, your, this is not good, don't do this, and they had to pull it. For the record, I don't think they thought people wanted that at all. I thought they thought people would put up with it. There's a difference. Nobody, That's true. Nobody is... Nobody ever loads a game and is like, yes, microtransactions. This is awesome. Where's mom's credit card? <laughs> Nobody does that ever. People go, fuck microtransactions. Oh, I got to get a second job if I want to win this game. So... They, you can't say that it was. They built it around what they thought people wanted. They built it around. No, you're what right. They you're right. They could get I, away with. I'm sorry. Let me let me rephrase that. Yes, what they thought they could get away with, and they clearly were not able to get away with it. So now the game has transformed into something very different, and frankly, it's still not. It's still not what I wanted to see. The gameplay for the game is really good. Like the the core of the game, the actual playing of the game is really fun. I would say that if you were a fan of the original Star Wars Battlefront games and you wanted to play a game that was very close to that but just looked and sounded better, this is the game to play. It's great. The problem is that because they had to gut out that whole transaction system and replace it with something else that they thought was better, they've now left this weird hole and they're still not using their judgment very correctly where they're thinking, okay... Uh, people want to earn in-game stuff, uh, so let's... Uh, here, General Grievous, we're going to put him in the game. By the way, he costs 35,000 credits in-game to buy, and you cannot pay any real money for him at all. You must earn him in the game. And I'm like, I, I'm, a, I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm a, I'm a casual player of this game, like very casual. I don't log on every day. You're lucky if I log on once in a week. I would love to play as General Grievous. I'd love to play as Obi-Wan Kenobi from the prequels. But I can't unless I dedicate my entire life outside of work to playing this game. I would rather give you $2 to play as these characters, to be honest. But they wouldn't charge you $2. That's the problem. Well, no, they, they would. They'd charge you 2 maybe why? 5 at the most for one why character. Why not just like, let you why not play just as let whatever them play character? As Right. When I booted up Resident Evil and I had my choice between two or three characters, it wasn't like you're stuck being Leon or Claire, but you can pay extra to be, you know what I mean? They were just like, here's your four options. Here's well, your five options. They want to like give people an incentive to keep playing, but I... No, I, they want to give people an incentive to keep spending money. No, but Ben, they you can't. Up, right, they ended up having to take it away in response to Backlash. And the reason they got rid of real money transactions altogether... They didn't, though. They brought them back, is my point. Well, but what you I'm saying is... You now can spend real money on some things in the game again, but just not everything. Right, but the reason they did that, though, is because they could turn around and say, yeah, you're right, it sucks when it's you can't spend real money on it. That's what you wanted. I guess. I why, don't know. why not just let me play as all the characters that you design 
because I paid $60 for this game. Like, I don't care if you stop working on it because then you can go work on the next game. That will be better. But the thing is, Joey, you didn't. Not everybody did pay sixty dollars for that game. Because maybe it wasn't you paid good. Ma- no, but I'm saying maybe you paid sixty dollars for the game or whatever the full price was at the time. Maybe you did, but how many people didn't? How many people are borrowing the game? How many people got the game from? Uh, I, I, uh, borrowing the game doesn't matter because if I'm borrowing your game, you paid sixty dollars for it, and you, and you can lend me. Well, it. no, no, no. I, but I'm saying, how many people are borrowing the game? How many people are renting the game? How many people are doing all these different things that people who rent the game aren't going to spend the money to do a microtransaction because they have to get the game back? Sure, but your my point <laughs> is, if you're running an online game where the cost is constant, it's not as if That's these servers just go away. Xbox Live. No, the Xbox Live only goes to Microsoft. It doesn't go to these developers directly. It goes for the servers to be online, doesn't it? No, you're paying Microsoft who's for paying? the right to play online. Then who's paying for the servers? The companies themselves. Well, then how about you make a game that either doesn't have a server or you make a monthly transaction fee and allow the game, the core game, to be downloaded for free but you can't play it unless you pay the monthly fee to access the server. Yeah, because that's well, the way it should fucking work. Well, Ben, the core Star game, Online the core game that. of this game that this is where you're, this is where it's all flawed, right? The core game. There is a story mode to this game, but the core game of Star Wars Battlefront Two is the online multiplayer. It's primarily a multiplayer game. Right. Fine. So you can't do that in that. Scene. Why not? He would rather have it be Star Trek Online, like that model, because. They give you a new season every year. They update like almost everything, and you pay like what ten bucks a month. Well, I, I don't know, pass but like I don't play World of Warcraft because I'm not buying a game and then paying a monthly fee for the privilege of playing the game that I bought. Well, sure, and I and I don't play World of Warcraft either because because I don't like the subscription fee. I, I don't like the subscription free um, subscription fee uh, model. I'm not a fan of it. Okay, but microtransactions are worse. Yeah. No, I disagree. Yeah, oh, they absolutely are. No, they are. No, you're getting real content that you know what you're I'm paying for. I'm getting content that should have been in the fucking game to begin with. No, that see, and that's where we disagree. But again, this, that's a conversation for outside of this podcast, really. I guess our Star point Wars has ruined is, video games for everyone. <laughs> it's not Star Wars. <laughs> well, and that, I wouldn't say Star, Star Wars, Wars has. has ruined video games. Video games have ruined Star Wars. Everyone, let's go watch some Star Trek. No. No. I would say, I would say that. You had me up until that last bit, Joey. All right, sorry. Let's go watch Babylon 5. The future of Star Wars games. I think that in order to move forward from here, we, they, I think. Backwards. Disney needs to. uh, Let the past die. Yeah. No, let the future die. Wait. No, (laughs) just make it up as we go along. Disney needs to reevaluate their partnership with EA. That's what I think needs to happen. Much in the same way that things happen with um, Lucasfilm and Wizards of the Coast. Mm -hmm. I think that Disney needs to reevaluate that relationship with EA and think, are they actually giving people the Star Wars games that people want to play? No. Or are they just trying to take advantage of us? Yes. And I think that that's what's happening. Anyhow. After that rousing (laughs) discussion about capitalism... Uh, maybe we'll get back to that at some point. 
Uh, it's not a rousing discussion about capitalism. It's, it's a rousing about, discussion about greed and the gullibility of disputes. the consumer. Yep. That trade sounds disputes. like capitalism to me. Sounds like no, trade capitalism, is, capitalism <laughs> is creating a sustainable market that you can generate consistent profits. Okay. <laughs> trade disputes. Zach's, Zach's like, sounds the same to me. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not. I know. <laughs> anyway. Uh I really want to thank you guys for coming around and having this big, long, long-form discussion on Star Wars games. Um, I think that that's going to wrap it up. I, unless you guys have any other thoughts you want to share. You you told us you don't want to hear our thoughts. They're for other podcasts. <laughs> that's not what I said. I'm saying about Star Wars. I'm Let's talk about that, Star like, Wars. I, I never thought that I would need to play. I need to pay extra money to play as Luigi. But I guess that's coming up soon. Yeah, probably. Well, and the thing is, if it was cosmetic changes, I mean, let's be honest. Like, if if you really loved the color purple, you're Sam Jackson, and you're like, I want to be a Jedi, but I want a purple lightsaber. Okay, charge two bucks for that cosmetic change. It doesn't matter to the game at all. But we're not we're not talking about things that don't that actually have any game again. Effect. That is still what we're talking about now. No, no. That's that's a microtransaction that doesn't matter. We're talking about buying DLC or being able to pay to win or buy things that have a dramatic impact on the game. Changing the color of a lightsaber is nothing. Doesn't nothing. matter. Sure. A purple lightsaber doesn't cut through things faster than, than a green okay. or a blue. Again, I, I think that we're you you think that I'm disagreeing with you. I'm not. Pay to win is wrong. I agree with that. Microtransactions are inherently pay to win. No, they're not inherently pay to win because there are many games that execute it just fine. Overwatch is fine. Um, Grand Theft Auto is fine. I don't know what those are. They're doing exactly what you're saying. They're giving you cosmetic in-game items that are not dramatically affecting the way that you play. What you're arguing to me, and again, we're getting into this. I really didn't want to, but I I guess I have to finish this. Yep, you're going to have to. When, When you get in... When you give me a piece of content that is considered to be additional, it is outside of the necessary content to play and enjoy the game. Like, for example, an additional mission on top of a game like Red Dead Redemption, where you have a very long, multiple hour, right, 60 hour plus main story. If you're going to give me downloadable content where it's like, oh, and here's another couple hours of a side mission that'll just, it's fun to play. It's a fun scenario. It doesn't impact the end result of the game. It's just a fun thing to play. And and you're charging me $15 for it. If I like the game enough and I'm having enough fun, I'll pay the 15 bucks because it's an additional mission. It's not required to enjoy the game. What you're telling me is that in that scenario, you still think it's wrong because the additional mission should have been, quote unquote, should have been included in the game in the first place, even if that additional mission hadn't been developed, even if the game was finished and then they spent the time to make more content for it. You're telling me even if it was a game you loved, you still wouldn't want it. I would say that's time for a sequel. But sequels take a lot more time to make than additional content missions. Do they? They do. Because sequels usually use completely different engines. They don't always use completely different engines. They don't always, but they can. Well, if the engine was good in the first place, they wouldn't have to. Well, they improve engines all the time. That's called technology. Well, right. I understand that. 
but but we're talking about a a uh, industry that regularly releases unfinished games. There are even, and I don't know the name of the game off the top of my head, but there was one game that was released a couple of years ago where the end of the game was DLC. No, but, you, I, I think you're talking about Mass Effect 3. That was not the end of the game was DLC. There was an actual end to the game that people were upset with, and so the developers said, okay, fine, we'll make a quote-unquote director's cut of the ending, and but, you can have it. Here so, you go. Like we play, I played uh, Bioshock Infinite. It was a fun game. I enjoyed it. I got the DLC afterwards. Five bucks, an extra level. Okay, fine. But a lot of these microtransactions, a lot of this DLC has significant impact. You know, yes, I am probably specifically focusing on the things that have significant impact in, in games and uh, greatly skew multiplayer games, especially if Joey happens to have more disposable income than I do. His playing of the game, when he can invest more real money into it, can negatively impact my enjoyment of the game when I bought it. And so when you have, you have to balance that aspect out too. And I'm probably looking at it worst case scenario, but you're also looking at it best case scenario. And... I'm looking at it from where video games used to be before they thought they could get away with this crap, where if a game wasn't finished, they just didn't release it. The thing is, the definition of finished game has has changed because... But the definition of finished game has changed because we've let them sell us unfinished games. What do you mean the definition of finished game? The definition of finished game should be... This game is finished. <laughs> no, we have I'm, completed our work on it. That, like no, a, that that's not how it works anymore. But though. a patch shouldn't. You should not be patching to find a glitch in a game because if there's a glitch on release, a serious glitch, like that, that's you didn't fucking test it enough. No, okay, for example, again, and I, I, this is not. Oh my god, we've already gone for so much time, but I'm gonna finish the point. There's a game that I play called Rocket League, right? Rocket yep. League. There is an offline component where you can play locally against AI, but the primary function and purpose of the game is to play the game against other people while you're online. Okay. This game has seen many different changes over the years that it's been released. It is a very different game, not in its core function. The game still, the idea that you're in a car and you're trying to hit a ball into a goal, yep. that's still the same. But they've released new game modes for it. They've released new cars for it. They've released new um, new cosmetic features. Now you can customize when the ball goes into the goal. There's an explosion that happens. Now you can have a custom explosion. They've made custom explosions that aren't just the regular one. You can have custom rocket trails that go behind your car. You weren't able to customize that when the game launched. There are a lot of changes that they have made to this game. What you're telling me is that if people are enjoying a game, especially an online game like this one, where the primary component is playing online, that the developers should not be able to make changes to that game. That is, it, quote unquote, well, it's a quote unquote finished game, which means that we can't make changes to it for free. We cannot push content well, to people for free. Nobody said anything about doing stuff for free. You're, you're still That's arguing. what I'm talking about. You're arguing. We're not talking about for free. We're talking we, about. We just said we were willing to pay $2 for a purple lightsaber okay. compared to the green one. 
And you're but nobody's about, doing that anymore. You're you're, you're 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 talking about a practice that was put in place many years ago. But if you look at the examples of modern games, nobody is making missions like that anymore. You're telling me it, the, your Rocket League explanation is not what you're trying to explain. Your Rocket League thing is saying here are a bunch of cosmetic things that you can change and add to this. We're talking about like the whole Death Star and Bespin and. There's a whole season pass that got added on to Battlefront. Oh, to the original, right, that first 15. There were, like, four other levels, and they were $15 each or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, well... Then I paid for the game twice. I paid $60 for the game, and then I'm going to pay another $60 for these levels? Well, and... Why not just make me buy another whole game? For the record, you guys... It's going to have a whole new set of levels. There's only one real franchise left in games... That still employs the model, that model, like the season pass model. Um, I guess maybe two. There's, then um, they're both active. Well, one's Ubisoft, one's Activision. There's Call of Duty, which still employs that season pass model because that's just what they've been doing. They still make money on it. That's what they've been doing. And uh, Assassin's Creed, I've seen season passes from that, where it's like they'll add missions and that sort of thing. But for the rest of the industry, it does appear that most people have pushed back against that season pass model. Do you remember the shitty Hitman movie that just came out? No, I don't. Okay, do you know why the shitty Hitman movie came out? Why? Because the studio, because there was a new Hitman game coming out, and it was delayed in the release, because the programmers and the distributors... I want to say, we're fighting over whether or not to allow microtransactions in the game to allow you to buy weapons and content, and the developers didn't want to do it. They didn't want to be the game company that did that. Well, sure. It's it's a struggle. So, But you don't have to be that game company. They, they want us to believe, or they talk about how you have to do that because that's the industry standard. No, you're making that the standard, and you're doing it because you want to make money, and you're pretending we're driving you to it, and it's bullshit. Nobody likes that, except developers. But when you look at a game like Grand Theft Auto that has done it so successfully, more successfully than any video game that's ever been released. What what about a game like Witcher? Have you ever played the Witcher games? I, I love the Witcher games, yeah. Okay. But the Witcher had a season pass as well. Yes, it had downloadable content for free, but it also had two major expansion packs that you had to pay for outside yeah, of that. Right. Yeah, you could pay for it. You didn't have to. Okay, that's that's what I'm talking about. Right? From that example, that first example that I gave you, Witcher's the perfect example. It's a game that has plenty of content, has a complete story, but if you want to play more, you can pay for more. Right, but we're talking about games that are not complete, and, and that's not all just DLC. We're talking about games that are released, and then major glitches appear. Bullshit you didn't know. Um, what was that one game that you had to be online to play, and then... Uh, they sold too many copies and the server crashed. I don't know. I but anyway. That's, that's a very rare. That's a very rare occurrence, Ben. I feel like that doesn't happen very often anymore. It was a big studio, and it shouldn't have been an occurrence. Once is not rare enough. Okay. Are we done? Yeah, I guess we're done. Okay. <laughs> that last part wasn't really about Star Wars, y'all. So I appreciate. Doesn't you matter. We'll, we'll fight about it again some other time, <laughs> possibly on a different podcast. Uh, wouldn't have this problem if we were on the Babylon Five podcast, because <laughs> there are no Babylon Five video games. Adam and Joey, I want to thank you guys for coming around this time. Um, are you uh, Are you interested in uh, joining us for a little holiday cheer in two weeks? 
Uh, sure, why not? Hey, well, I, I don't, don't. I don't want think holi- you want. <laughs> if you don't no. want holiday cheer, are you interested in a little holiday sadomasochism? <laughs> oh, even better! <laughs> I knew we get Joey. You're in for this, right? You're the one who brought the Ewok movies, so oh yeah, that's right. If you haven't caught on yet, we are talking about the Star Wars holiday special. Life Day, bitches! It will debut on Christmas Day in the U.S. December 25th, and we'll be here for you. Joey, may the force be with you. May the force be with you as well. Adam, may the force be with you. And also with you. And Ben, may the force be with you. Adam took my and also with you. No, you're supposed to say that. And also with you, Zach. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. <laughs>